It's time for JT the Brick. I am JT the Brick, focused black hole, getting in there, ready to rock. I got my A game. I've been there with the Raider Nation in the black hole. I've been in this rivalry. I've seen it in my 24 years here. It's a do or die game. Can't let them win in Vegas. Protect the house. Protect the Legion Stadium. Be ready to go. No half-ass effort. You don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show. Thank you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis. The history of the Raiders. They were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played. The 11 angry men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence so that's where we are raider nation simply put man up and play football and win a game and now that's a hell of a motivational speech here's jt the brick out of the gate jt with you what a day in vegas vegas baby vegas all right magnum on the board with me bobby's off i think bobby worked till one in the morning last night with the vegas golden night post game show vgk Vegas Golden Knights, I am calling that an instant classic from going there year one, embracing this team, uh, getting all these players and coaches on, and you know how I love the Vegas Golden Knights? I had to get rid of the Islanders, the team of my youth, because we have an expansion team here that went to the Cup the first year, and I'm all in. And last night was a classic. I was texting with Linda Cohn, who was on the broadcast. She's a teammate of mine on SiriusXM. If you went to the game last night, you went to an instant classic. You know, I grew up back east, and they have these instant classics on Yes Network or SNY. You look back, and they go 30 years ago, Reggie Jackson game, or this or that. Last night in Las Vegas was an instant classic. You could put that game on 10 years from now. I woke up this morning. I watched the third period again in preparation of this show, and it was wild, absolutely wild. Now, as I was talking to Chris, who's running the show today for Bobby, when I left the other channel over here and we came over here to do Raiders radio, I said, I'm doing radio. I'm doing sports talk radio. The majority of it's going to be the Raiders because we're on the flagship of the Raiders. But I'm a sports talk host. I talk about multiple topics a day. I got Steph Curry. I got LeBron. But we're going big today because as I was talking with Chris, there's no local radio show in Las Vegas other than mine that can accept Vegas Golden Night fans on at noon. Our, our station plays it at 4 o'clock. We got the pregame show and all that. The rest of it's syndicated. Okay, I'm talking live, as you can hear my voice, in the building as the flagship partner of the Golden Knights to try to wake up this town and try to make it take from baby steps in sports radio to big boy radio. And as Magnum played the opening, man, one of my best memories so far in the early years of Dave Ziegler, Dave was sitting next to me on Monday, and when we played the opening of that show, and I'm screaming like a lunatic, and he's just laughing, laughing before we come on the live stream. He's just going, oh, my God, because he listens to the show, and I'm screaming, and we open up the show, and I look at him, and I go, man, I never envisioned you'd be sitting next to me as that ridiculously obnoxious, uh, aggressive openings playing. You know, you normally don't have an executive of an NFL team sitting next to you. And he started laughing. He said, I love it because he gets what I do. And, and Bill Foley gets what I do. And Mark Davis gets what I do. I bring passion and energy 
for every second I'm on the radio. And I need this town to wake up with hockey. We got to pretend we're a hockey town. We got to act like Edmonton. We got to act like Winnipeg. We got to act like Detroit. We got to act like it, even though we're not there yet. So please, not for me. I don't care. I got four hours of content and two hours here. Sound off like you got a pair. Get me a couple of Golden Knight fans on the show today to match my energy. 702-365-9200. There was 18,233 people in the building last night. I would hope some of that 18,233 listens to me every day and says, man, thank God JT's on at noon talking about us because other stations wouldn't do it. There's syndicated shows, syndicated shows on in this building. They don't even mention hockey going to commercial commercial. They don't say, hey, uh, uh, hey, last night the Vegas Golden Knights won. We'll be back right after this. They don't even do that. Think of that. And we're in Las Vegas with the Golden Knights. They're the one seed. The one seed in the Western Conference. The one seed. And I'm sitting here pulling my hair out before the show going, Magnum, uh, this is going to be interesting today. You know this town. You work your ass off. You are in the locker room. Your pregame, your postgame. You agree with me, man. We got to get this thing bigger because we got a chance to win the cup. Yeah, yeah. First off, I I, I love the open. I, I I was laughing a little bit when I heard you talk about. I'm advocating for violence. I I got a kick out of that. That's good stuff. And you know the the, the crossover with hockey is a lot of hockey fans kind of advocate for that too. So there's a natural. Kind of, kind of marriage between football and hockey. It's, it's, it's sports played by men, guys who go out there. They don't care what their injury status is. You look at the, the you look at Mark Stone. Yeah. Mark, Mark Stone is like a football player. He, he's had the two back surgeries. He's getting cross-checked left and right. Even after he scores a goal, he takes a dirty, cheap hit. He doesn't care. He's out there. He, he's laying his body Absolutely. on the line. And we heard. Zach Whitecloud of the Golden Knights last night said it. Bruce Cassidy said it today. Winning hurts. And and it's it's so perfect for this sport. You're going to take a beating if you want to win. You're in there. You're in the press box. I'm up there from time to time. I mostly sit in the crowd as a fan. But I will tell you this. You've been to all of these games, the majority of every game they've played. Am I right? That was a classic because of Dreisaitl and what he was doing. I felt like I was watching Gretzky and Messier in the prime of their career, early prime in their career, on the road in the heyday trying to carry a team and our fan base and our team was enough to knock them back and get a game at home. It felt like a classic to me. Yeah, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because uh, Leon Dreisettle's four goals in a game, first of all, they lost, which is incredible, right? Yeah. You think about a guy scoring four goals in two nights in a row in the NHL, it happened where a guy scores four goals and they lose. But it's the first time an Edmonton Oilers player had scored four goals in a game since 1987. Really? This is a franchise that has six Stanley Cups. They've got the long storied history. Messier, Gretzky. But the player was Yari Curry, which kind of, I I, I was surprised when I saw that. I was like, oh, it's got to be Gretzky. Four goals in a playoff game. But, I mean, this this is a storied franchise. And you're talking 36 years between a guy scoring... Four goals in a playoff game for them. It, it was a classic. Like, and the Golden Knights, they took that punch in the mouth, they did. and they still prevailed. Listen, I, again, I say this because we're on the Raiders flagship, and we we do a lot of Raiders here. This town should be so bleeping excited that we have this product here. We have an A-list hockey team in sports in America. 
where we have NASCAR, we have the rodeo, we have the aces, the world champion aces. We have everything here. The fact that you are seeing this quality of professional sports at the playoff level from a one seed in front of over 18,000 people that are going to generate our social life, our economy, our taverns. We're brought to you by PT's proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. Best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. I mean, even if you're listening in the Bay Area, we got a big streaming audience. You're listening in Florida. You know, I'm not apologizing for this because this is what it's about. And Boston, the greatest regular season team of all time, most points are out in the first round. <laughs> we just took Edmonton in what it felt like. I'll give you the best example. I talked to a buddy today. It felt like Ali Frazier won where Frazier beat Ali. Ali didn't win that fight at Madison Square Garden. Last night, to me, watching, and I watched it in a sports book, and the place was off the charts. Um, it felt like that I was watching an Ali-Frazier fight where both teams were feeling each other out. Both teams were throwing haymakers. Both teams were getting knocked down and getting back up again. That is the essence of competition in sports at the highest level. Well, yeah, and people listening in, in other markets, they may not want to hear this, but these are the two best teams in the NHL right now. The best two teams remaining are the Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers. It's my belief, and I grew up a Devils fan, so you and I, we know yeah. a little bit about that Northeast hockey. It's my belief that the winner of this series is going to win the Stanley Cup. So if you're if you're not on board with that, I, I, I don't know what, what else needs to happen for you to get behind that. But, well, because there's non-hockey fans, and that's the problem that I've been trying to raise since I've been on the radio. When I started on the radio in 96 here in Vegas on SportsFan, there was no internet. There was no internet. There was no Twitter. And I would have to write notes out. I would have to write notes out on hockey because I was taking hockey calls syndicated from Detroit. I was getting calls in. If I didn't know the names of the players, if I didn't know who scored that, and we didn't have the soundbite, I was buried. Now it's just either you're a hockey fan or you're not. That's not the point to my monologue. The point is we like to have fun. We like to make money. We like to have tourism. We like our two-week series in the first round to go to two weeks in the second round and then the conference finals and then the Stanley Cup because it brings excitement, happiness, and it grooms new sports fans in this town who are eight, nine-year-old boys and girls saying, hey, mom and dad are going to the Golden Knight game. Mom and dad are going to the Raider game. Hey, mom and dad are going to the Aviators game. I get it. I want to be a part of this. This is global, man. They're talking about the Golden Knights in Russia. They're talking about them in Finland. They're talking about them. And I would like to be a Canadian fan watching the Kraken, the Florida Panthers, the Golden Knights, and all these teams playing in the deep postseason. Well, it's 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 fun because, as you mentioned, it is fun, and, and people want to be a part of it. You and I have been in this city long enough. Mm -hmm. You you a few years longer than me, but but we were both here when the only thing in town was UNLV basketball and the Aviators. Yep, and the Aviators were the, were the stars at the time. Now we we have grown as a city into a major player I mean I could have I could not have imagined getting an F1 race 10 years ago yeah uh, I mean I mean that's gonna be maybe the biggest event in the history of the city but the Golden Knight games are are, are fun even as a member of the media right I'm supposed to be impartial don't mm. cheer but it's hard to not get caught up in yeah. the excitement in the crowd when when they scored that fifth goal to go ahead the roof blew off that building I've been at Raider games where, where it's loud and and it's fun and it's hard there as well. I have no affiliation with the Raiders, but I want to see them do well. Sure. 
And when I'm up in that press box, it's hard to not get caught up in the excitement of 65,000 screaming Raider fans when, when they're doing well. Yeah, and there's no cheering in the press box. And when I'm at a Golden Knight game, I can, can see my shoulder moving <laughs> yeah. when they score. So we're going to get to all of that. Here's what else we got lined up. Uh, a police officer, a high-end police officer, is going to call in next hour because Bishop Gorman is hosting the football game between the police and the firefighters. Really excited about that. That's a good event coming up here. So we're going to do that at 1.20. At 1.30, uh, Connor Fields is going to join us. He is the BMX Hall of Famer and... I got the announcement yesterday. I'm honored. I was named the uh, the MC of the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame Hall of Fame banquet. So I'm very honored to be a part of that, to play a small part in that. I've been going to that event for a long time to see the icons in all of sports here in Southern Nevada. It's one of the greatest Hall of Fames in America. So I'll be emceeing the event coming up in June, and we get the exclusive. So we get to interview all the Hall of Famers in this class coming up. And we're going to kick it off with Connor Fields, the BMX Hall of Famer who suffered one of the most horrific injuries as he was the gold medalist, the Rio Olympics before. He had the crash in Tokyo, the impact he's had on this community Really important interview coming up at 1.30 with Connor Fields. We'll get the first one with him, and then we'll build up to the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Also, uh, my exclusive interview with Dave Ziegler. I thought it went really well. It's getting a big download. People are finding it at Raiders.com, wherever you consume your Raiders. And I'll just say this. Again, there's a lot of Raider fans now who are a little bit calm. I like that. I, I don't think I have anything to do with it. You... You, the Raider Nation, have an opinion. I think you're understanding the impact of Dave Ziegler. You, I don't say you have to love every pick. I have people that says, well, the Raiders are rebuilding. I go, no, no, no. They're trying to find players to fill certain holes here. You don't rebuild with Devontae Adams. You can't be that stupid, even if the Raiders don't win a lot of games. You can't say they're rebuilding with Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, and Devontae and bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't bring in Jimmy Garoppolo if you're rebuilding. What you're doing is you're trying to tweak it and make it better. So with Dave, we talked about this, and my big takeaway is that I'm, I'm trying to bring myself into the modern era now of football because I think I'm old school where you draft a player and he has to be a star. And I hope the Raiders got a couple of stars in this draft. But what they're doing is they're adding situational players that are going to help their scheme. So let me repeat that again. They got depth on the defensive line now. They do. They got a lot of depth on the defensive line. You're not going to hear me. Would I like to get Aaron Donald? Would I like to get an impact player? An Indomitian Sioux type guy, a defensive tackle? They just took an Alabama kid in the third round who played four years and started for them. I can't get you much more than that other than Jalen Carter, who everybody passed on until he dropped to the Eagles because of his issues off the field. Okay, they got Tyree, they got Mad Max, Chandler Jones played better at the end of the year. The defensive line is set. Now, does that mean they can't get another free agent or someone's going to get caught? Of course not. We've seen that. But the Jelly Ellis era of this team is coming to an end. We need guys who are faster, in better shape, who can attack the football. So that is point number one. Behind that wall are the linebackers. They brought in Spillane, who I don't know much about, I remember he had 12 tackles in the New Year's uh, the uh, the Christmas Eve game, the Franco Harris game, where Franco Harris passed away, which was another game where the Raiders collapsed because they couldn't tackle anybody and get off the field on defense, and they couldn't do anything in the red zone in a game where they should have won easily, easily, just like the Ram game. I call it the Baker Mayfield game. 
So they bring in Spillane to play linebacker, and then the rest of the guys, I don't know who they are. At that point, they need help on the, at the linebacker position. They do. And remember, they could go get an aging linebacker who's got a year or two left and try to find lightning in a bottle there. I think they'll do that. On the back end, they got a new young cornerback. I'm counting on Nate Hobbs to be great, not good. Rocky Sin went to Baltimore, or I thought Rock coming back here after Casey Hayward the year before, a veteran presence, might have been smart, but they're going young, and they're counting on Nate Hobbs. They got another potential starter, a slot corner, so we know what's going there. And I'm excited about the safeties. I really am, because Epps comes in from Philadelphia playing 20 games last year, including the Super Bowl. He's the starter back there. They get another safety. Trayvon Merrick, I think his feet are going to be on fire to keep his job, and he's going to have to play well. And then the offense is bleeping loaded. The offense is loaded. The only thing they need on offense is a better right tackle or right guard. They're going with the center. They're going with the left guard. They're going with the left tackle. And then they got six other guys who are competing, including undrafted free agents who are coming in. One's great, potentially great. So they got a chance to do something on the offensive line. But what Dave Ziegler told me exclusively is they're bringing in players through that war room that they think are going to be excellent in their role. Now, the role might be more limited than I'd like to see. I want my starters playing. I don't want them off the field. That's not the scheme of Patrick Graham. It, Ray Lewis isn't walking through that door. Howie Long isn't walking through that door. There are going to be guys who are coming off on second down, guys coming in on third down, who better be ready to do something around here. They be, If you're only playing 15 snaps a game or 20 snaps a game and you were drafted in the first, second, third round this year, the year before, you better wake up and be ready to play for this organization. And they're demanding that. They're demanding that. And the coach and the GM, they are much more hardcore than you think. I've had the ability to sit down with them privately, on the record, and off the record. They are laser beam coach and GM. So we got to find a way to make it work. So that's the monologue. No, no Golden Knight fans on hold, huh? None, right? So again, people, again, do we got to give away koozies? Do I got to give away like tickets to a concert or something to get a Golden Knight fan here? I wouldn't be doing this in Detroit. If I was in Detroit, I'd come in here. I have nine Red Wing fans on hold. 702-365-9200. If you went to the game last night, if you're a hockey fan, get rolling. Don't make me wait. I just gave you everything I got in 20 minutes here to start the show. Other important points coming up here. Please join me tomorrow. I'll be live at the Palms. I don't do many of these. I'll be there from noon to 2 in the sports book at the Palms. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. They're going to have Cointreau margaritas. Wow. My wife said that today. The Cointreau margaritas? I said, yeah, rock. Rocks or no salt. Whatever you want. They're going to have them tomorrow. So noon to 2, I'll be at the Palms. We'll be in the sports book. We got a special show lined up. Remy Martin, our proud partner. It's going to be fun. It's a Friday I don't like to do Fridays out on the road. I love to do this because we got great partners here, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I haven't done a sports talk show in the Palm since post-Pete Rose, me and Pete Rose. I've done some events for them, but never a radio show. And i got a big history with the Maloofs back in the day, now new ownership at the Palms there. But this is a Remy Martin event, so Remy Martin team up for excellence. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. In regards to basketball, uh, basketball is very intriguing to me right now because we have Steph and LeBron. Uh, there's a lot of terrible radio and television being done because Steph and LeBron are playing. 
It's so low-hanging fruit and easy. Everybody's putting out their Mount Rushmore. They're putting out their top 10. Where's Steph and LeBron in the top 10? I've even dipped my toe in the water because it's so good. We have a large Warrior fan base listening to us. Warriors, this is pretty much it for you. You are living on a prayer this entire postseason. Similar to the Lakers, you mailed in the regular season and didn't give a crap, which is the problem with the NBA. They mailed in the regular season. It's load management. And even the great Steve Kerr, who worked under Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson, played under him. Even Steve Kerr this year said, no, guys, you're good. We're going to New Orleans. Take the back-to-back off. We don't need this. Oh, we suck on the road? Who cares? We'll flip the switch in the playoffs. And they have. Same thing with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Regular season, Anthony Davis is shooting threes. Shooting threes. Like every Russell Westbrook, they had to move him. They had to get rid of him. And now the Lakers all of a sudden flipped the switch. It is very rare in sports when you have a team that is so good that can flip the switch. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. The only chance I have for the Yankees is at the end of the year, maybe they can flip the switch. They're not consistently good enough to win. You want to be able to have a team that's consistently great, and then they can flip the switch. An example I would give you would be this year, the Boston Bruins. They were unbelievably great, and then they couldn't flip the switch when the playoffs started. But wouldn't wouldn't it be great if the NBA had a team that played as hard as the Boston Bruins and broke the record for the most you know, points ever. Now, they, they flamed out in the postseason, but they gave you everything they had in the regular season. The NBA doesn't do that. The NBA has now bagged it, mailed it in. They don't care about you, me, the regular season. They're all cashing a paycheck. Of course, there's a few players here and there that'll play every game and play their ass off, but you get what I'm saying. That's why more and more people are leaving the NBA and the sport is hemorrhaging when it comes to ratings because sports fans are pretty smart. Most of them are blue collar. Most of them have nine to five jobs. They work really hard. They only have limited money to be entertained by sports. And once they see frauds and people mailing it in, they check out. And that's what's happened to the NBA. But Adam Silver just flipped the switch. He gave us Warriors and Lakers. If you're a Warrior fan, Or a Laker fan, when the Lakers are huge in Vegas, the Warriors are big everywhere. They became a global franchise. Warriors are very similar to me to the Patriots. Growing up as a kid, the Warriors stunk. They were terrible, and so were the Patriots. They were worse. And then all of a sudden, the Warriors and the Patriots in the last 20 years now have a global fan base. There's kids walking around Tokyo and San Paulo and, you know, throughout Europe with Warrior jerseys and Tom Brady jerseys from the Patriots because everybody loves a winner. Everybody loves a bandwagon and a winner. And this show, we put down bandwagons. We want the diehard sports fans who care. So again, the show's open for business. I'm excited. I love the Golden Knights winning. I like the Raider draft. Do I love the Raider draft? No, I didn't love the draft. I didn't love it. I wanted more defense. But they explained to me why they went with the quarterback. I get it. Explained to me why they went with the smaller slot receiver. I get it. So I asked the questions, and they gave us answers. You don't have to agree with me, but I'm still looking for your opinion on the Raider draft. And here's a good one. I saved the best for last, Magnum. This should wake some fans up. Who's the one player on the Raider roster, one player, who should be concerned about his job because of this draft? Let that sink in. Who's the one player who's got a Maserati or a Corvette, who's got a tricked-out BMW, 
Gets to the building on time, lifts weights, but whoa, whoa, whoa. All of a sudden, that young gun just walked into the weight room, and he's there to take Blank's job. Who is that player that you think really doesn't have to be scared? These are grown-ass men. They're not scared. But Raider Nation, who's the one player on this roster post-draft? I waited to drop this JT bomb for this day that you think has to kind of look over his shoulder and say, ooh, that guy's coming for my job, 702-365-9200. Ray, start us off on the flagship. What's happening? Hello. Yep, you're up. Go Driving in traffic. Uh, the game was just amazing last night. Uh, it's a lot easier to talk about playoffs than uh, our other team, but I'm a big fan since way back I started in San Jose uh, enjoying the Sharks. That's how I got back into hockey. And, uh, man, it was just an excellent game. The other series was fantastic, too. But, Mm -hmm. boy, we we really got a good chance. We just play our game. What would a Stan? What would a Stan? I don't want to jump ahead to the Stanley Cup yet. We got weeks, but I mean, I'm just saying. What would the Stan? Can you imagine if this team goes to two Stanley Cups in a matter of six years? I mean, and they don't have. You know, I I think the competition is going to be hard to get there. It's no lock, but at least it's something you could look forward to and envision happening, right? Oh yeah, it's way better seeing Boston get out, and uh, it's just I think we're kind of all even, man. The teams that are left over, yeah, it's going to be a dogfight. Thanks for the call. I appreciate you very much. Thank you again, and and Chris, I'll tell you this: Magnum's in studio filling in for Bobby today. If Boston was still alive, if Boston won Game Seven in overtime, if Boston found a way to win, there'd be no. I'd be excited for the Golden Knights, but I would have nowhere near. The enthusiasm. Let me say again, I doubt very much the Vegas Golden Knights would have beat the Boston Bruins. I wouldn't have predicted it. No chance. I wouldn't have. And now I believe with Boston out, it opens up the door, just like we're seeing in the NBA. You know, Giannis is out. There's no Milwaukee. They're the one seed. The West is wide open. If you're alive in the NBA, you can win the title. The monologue brought to you by our great friends, the DeCastaverde Law Group. If you get into an accident, they're the ones you call. 702. I'll tell you what. 222-9999. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria. Home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza. JT, back with you as we pick it up here. Big hour next hour. A couple of good interviews. I left this hour... I believe completely open. So if you want to get through, talk about the Golden Knights, the Raiders draft. Uh, We want to hear from you uh, and what you think the Raiders have to do going forward here with some of the additions that they had. Some of the additions that they had are going to be guys that are going to be competing and need to compete on the back end of this draft. You know, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, depth players. But anyone they took from the tight end to the defensive edge rusher and Tyree to everybody else there, has got to be able to play and participate quickly. I am very optimistic on the Raiders' offense. I think the offense is really better than expected. I don't think most of the country and the pundits know who's on the Raiders' offense other than Jimmy G, Josh Jacobs, and Devontae. And if you look at the depth of the rest of the offense here, it's absolutely loaded. Uh, Without Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro uh, being here, what they were able to do with Jacoby Myers and how they were able to run the ball and have the leading rusher, that to me gives me one possibility of what can change everything. The one possibility is moving the ball and picking up first downs. Easier than with Derek Carr. Do you agree with me on that? Carr was a very, very good quarterback. 
a multiple Pro Bowl quarterback. Derek was outstanding to this organization. I have to bank that Jimmy G is going to be better picking up first downs on third downs, where last year the Raiders were a train wreck with a really good historic play caller in the head coach, and the chemistry with the quarterback was just not there. I don't know if it was a trust factor. They're both going to have their opinions on that. I know what my opinions are. I don't think they took advantage of a great play caller historically and a pretty good quarterback. Now they got a quarterback they're more comfortable with who knows the system better, and the offense has playmakers all over the place. I don't know how you're going to guard these guys. If you double-team Devontae, then who's going to be open? And there's going to be a wide-open guy. Last year I was kind of saying the same thing with Derek. You know, they're going to double-team Devontae. They're going to double-team Waller. Someone should be open. Someone should be open, right? That makes sense? Double-team here, there, and no one was open. Or some guys were open. Devontae had a great year. This year I think Devontae's going to be double-teamed. Everybody else is going to be single-teamed. And they're going to go with these exotic packages of slot receivers, two slot receivers, maybe three slot receivers at the same time along with a monster baby Gronk tight end and the leading rusher. I mean, who's going to guard these guys? Well, the only way the other team's going to play better on defense is if the offensive line folds or collapses. And they didn't do that at the end of the year. I thought the offensive line got better and better. And that's kind of their concept is to bring in a lot of offensive linemen, have some competition, put the best ones out there, and have guys ready to come in with fresher legs. But I'd like to see the offensive line and linebacker improved before the first game of the year. And they got plenty of time to do that as we continue. 702-365-9200. Tune day. Thanks for holding. He is gone there as we take a look at what's happening here. And, you know, I, I think the Raiders' offense is going to be the strength of the team as we go forward. Let's take a look at some of the goals from what happened last night in the Golden Knights game. Dreisaitl's the best player in hockey other than Connor McDavid. He'd be a number one on every team in hockey, including this team. All due respect to Jack Eichel and Mark Stone. He got them out of the gate very quickly with this one. Dreisaitl again. Low to high. He's got Bouchard. The right looks to the left. McDavid, extra pass, score! Dreisaitl from the right circle. And just like that, on script, the Oilers' power play. Get one nothing lead, four minutes into the game. You know, these are Dan Duver's calls here. If, if Vegas gets into the penalty box and they consistently go in the penalty box and take dumb penalties, they won't win the series. And Petrangelo took a terrible penalty, terrible penalty, at the end of the period that set up a power play. But Barbashev, what an addition to have Barbashev on this team when they made the move to bring in this player and the dividends he's paying. Behind for Fogel, his pass broken up, side of the net, stopped! Loose puck, still near the slot, another try! They score! Barbashev! Vegas ties it! Going to work in the crease, interior opportunities, and the finish for Barbashev. 1-1 tie, four and a half minutes into the game. Magnum, you and I were talking before the show started. That was a really important answer. I, I felt like it was going to be one nothing, 2 nothing at the end of 1 if there wasn't a reaction there. And then that, that just got the train going for VGK. Yeah, I mean, Barbashev, as you mentioned, a guy who, who they picked up the trade deadline, a guy that the, this team had been scouting all season, but a guy who Bruce Cassidy was on the wrong side of winning the Stanley Cup against. He was a member of that St. Louis Blues team that beat the Boston Bruins in the Cup Final and he, he's kind of known for, for things like this in the playoffs. He scored three goals for the team in the playoffs so far, but that response, it was huge because I think, as you mentioned, if they don't respond right away, 
Edmonton had an opportunity to really take control of that game, but that response was was fantastic and it was needed. For those who are critical of Mark Stone and wondering where he's at, he had the injury, how they parked him, he comes back. He's been very productive in the postseason, and this is where he scores, making a difference, giving VGK a 3-1 lead. Stone near the left corner. Could not make the pass to Stevenson. Now from the wall, Eichel to Petrangelo. Now on the right, a shot. Tim Tone! Power play goal! Mark Stone in front. Vegas leads 3-1. to one. That was a massive goal. Mark Stone gets going. I think that was his fourth goal of the postseason, if I remember there. So Stone has showed up early in the postseason. He looks to be healthy. He's a physical brute force. You need a guy that big and strong in front of the net when you have a shaky goalie and he comes through. Dreisaitl, again, his, this ridiculous goal was one of the craziest goals I've seen, watched. I looked at the replay again and again, and I still can't figure it out. Oilers get it again down low, and a shot bent in off of Brossois. He could see it coming, and he didn't react the way that he would have liked. The bank shot from below the goal line by Dreisaitl has the Oilers back within a goal with 10 seconds to go in the period. That was incredible. How'd you see that from the press box when you looked at the replay over and over again? It's one of the one of the most ridiculous, incredible goals I've ever seen. Ever. Like like the skill required, but the confidence. He's five feet below the goal line, and he just flips it up over over the shoulder of Brossois in off of his back. That's a and 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 the the post game noise was he had every intention on doing it. Right. That wasn't like a mistake. Like he knew what he was doing, and and JT. It's one of those goals where you see the, the the highlights, you'll see the replays years down the road in some package for the NHL, and you'll be able to say, I was there to see that. Like, that's one of those moments. Yeah, he's such a good player. He parks on the left side the way Ovechkin opens up his office on the right side. And we're going to get to this in a little bit on how to guard him the rest of the series here because I don't know why you play the puck when he's on the ice. You just got to play him in the body. If you don't play his body, it's ridiculous what he can do. So we move on again. Barbashev with another big goal. This is where the Vegas Golden Knights had to answer. This was a critical goal. White Clouds pass attempt blocked by Nugent Hopkins. White Cloud again. Out high. A wrist shot. Score! Tipped in front. Barbashev, second of the day. Knights back in the lead. Right when that goal was scored, I knew that it was going to be a long game after that. There was no way that was going to be the final score in this game. You could just tell both these teams were just full of snipers. They were going to take shots. It was incredible. But we go to the empty net goal of Jack Eichel. I tweeted out about five minutes or ten minutes before this, where is Eichel? On the big stage. That's not disrespect. I wear his number nine. I think the world to him. I think he gives Vegas the opportunity to win. But Eichel was being dominated by Dreisaitl in this game. Dreisaitl was the guy who had all of the media coverage throughout the game. ESPN's going crazy with him. Eichel, this was very important considering what Edmonton has. Dreisaitl looks left. McDavid goes through the circle. Eichel takes it away. Eichel takes a shot at the open goal. He scores! A putt from 180 feet away. 6-4 Golden Knights. Jack Eichel picked McDavid's pocket. That's Dan Duva on the call along with Gary Lawless. And Vegas wins 6-4. There were 10 goals scored here as Vegas takes a 1-0 lead in the series with home ice. And now they don't, they don't play until Saturday. So I talked to someone in the organization today as I was driving in, and they said this is 
a Cassidy example of professionalism. This team had some time off. They could have came out flat. They might not have had their A game. They come out playing really well, and then they've come in big, and he had them ready to play. You know this coach. You're in there. You ask a lot of questions in the postgame press conference. How much credit does he deserve? Oh, he deserves a world. I mean, he he's the guy who sets the game plan, but also he's the guy who keeps these guys hungry. He's the guy who keeps them motivated, and there's always that question of a lull after you win a series and you have a few days off, it's usually only a one-game thing, but they came out, and when we were talking to the players leading up to the game, they were itching to get back out right. there and play. A lot of times you hear guys, oh, the rest is nice. No, these guys, they wanted to get back out there and play. They won't say it, JT. I think they're selling it inside that locker room. All season, everyone's talked about Boston. Everyone talked about how good Edmonton was down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Nobody's given these guys any credit, and I think it's pissing them off. And I think they're they're using that as a, they they have that chip. Remember, year one they had that chip, the total disrespect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, I I get the vibe. It's similar that they feel like they've been disrespected, and they they won't admit to it. They won't say it. But I think internally, I think there there's something there. I do. I, I think this team is really has a chip on their shoulder. The fans are electric. They have home ice throughout the West. Boston is gone. So we're trying to get VGK excitement going today. Uh, 702-365-9200. If you went to the game, if you're a hockey fan, if you're just a hockey fan in general out there and you're streaming us, like to hear what you think they can do now to keep this series going in a positive direction. Also, in regards to the fans, Edmonton, they weren't going to get here for game one. They're coming for game two. They needed travel days. They needed to get their travel. The game was put to Saturday. I think you're going to see another 2,000. You know, you're going to see more Edmonton fans. How did it look from the press box when you look down? Because they travel really well, but I don't think they had a lot of time to put game one together. Yeah, it's funny. I actually talked to a couple guys going into the Edmonton fans going into the game five of the Winnipeg series mm-hmm. because Edmonton was playing in L.A. So these guys, they came down and they, they had some time off. They went to the Vegas game. Then they went back to L.A., but... There weren't as many as I anticipated. I think you're right, though. I think tomorrow or Saturday we'll see a, a bit more orange in the crowd. Yeah, and they travel well, and they love the 50-50 raffle. The Edmonton fans love the 50-50 raffle. If you're ever going to buy into the 50-50, I don't gamble, never place to bet. I like when you bet. It's good for the show. Uh, the 50-50 raffle when Edmonton's in town is the good one because, I don't know if you know this, I think you do, up in Canada, you don't have to be at the game. You could be a part of the 50-50 raffle on your couch. So that's why their number up there in Edmonton. I guess they got a lot of gamblers up there in Edmonton. Yeah, well, they come down here and they spend their hard-earned Canadian dollars. But that 50-50, one, one game, I, I, I I, it was Edmonton. It was Edmonton. It was over $150,000. And I asked someone about that, and they told me, and I think this is right, is that you don't have to go to the game in Edmonton and it's sold out and people contribute online. I think it's an app and they're able to do that in bed <laughs> on their 50-50 raffle. When they come here, I don't know where. Look, the Edmonton Oilers, we know the oil money up there and they're a blue-collar city with great hockey tradition. But man, they come to Vegas a lot. We got to thank our Canadian brothers and sisters to the north for coming here, for Winnipeg, Edmonton, Toronto. When they come here, you know, people always complain to me, oh, there's too many other fans from the Raiders. I'm like, look, I'm not at the airport. I don't have, you know, I'm not at the airport stopping people flying to Vegas. I'm done with that. I'm pro-Vegas, but with hockey, there shouldn't be that many fans able to get hockey tickets because it's on a secondary market here because all these tickets are sold and they find their way in. Well, the Toronto fans, when they came here, they tell me it's easier and cheaper for them to fly here from Toronto on one of those low-cost carriers 
buy a ticket on the secondary market than it is to get a game for a, a ticket for a yeah. Leafs game. I mean, hockey fans are passionate. There's not many of them compared to, you know, football fans can fill up 60, 70, 80,000 seats. Hockey fans can't. But the 18 to 20 to the 17 that go, they are absolute diehards. Die 702-365-9200 at JT The Brick. When we come back, the Chiefs. The Chiefs just signed an offensive lineman. Wow. Kansas City does not wait on that old line for Patrick Mahomes. We'll tell you about the deal. $9 million for one year. Chiefs get another tackle. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. All right, JT here on a beautiful day. Hope everybody's doing well. Thanks for coming in on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. Want to remind everybody tomorrow we're at the Palms from noon to 2. They're going to have Quantro Margaritas out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. If you can come out tomorrow, greatly appreciate it. Palms Sportsbook. Everyone in town knows where the Palms is. Come out for lunch. It's right outside the food court there. It should be a lot of fun. we got a couple other guests that we're working on here. We should have a Golden Knights guest tomorrow. There's just more and more going on here as we got hockey playoffs. We have the Raiders offseason, and we are very, very busy coming off the drafts here. So the next two shows, the remainder of this show, and then the show we have coming up tomorrow will be uh, pretty exciting here out and around town as the hockey is still here. And we have the hockey game. It was moved. Magnum, why was the game initially moved from Friday to Saturday? Was that a arena issue? What's the story behind that? Um, it was a television issue with Canadian television, from what I believe. Um, I think there, there was an issue with the arena in Florida. Okay. So they had to do something with the Toronto-Florida series. And then this was how they were able to manipulate it because they have to have a Canadian team on Saturday. Oh, so okay. So what? Who does that benefit more with the extra day off now, Vegas or Edmonton? I think it benefits Vegas because you saw the beating Mark Stone took last night. It gives him they they didn't skate today. They had the full day off. I think it's a good thing for Vegas because Stone gets an extra day to not have to be out there on the ice and his back mm-hmm. can. Can take can take a little bit of a of a rest. Yeah, I like a Saturday night game. I like Friday Saturday games better than uh, Sunday games for obvious reasons. Here, I just told you the Chiefs completed a rebuild. That offensive tackle they signed veteran Donovan Smith to a one year contract. The team announced earlier today. Uh, if you look at this deal, financial terms were not disclosed, but NFL Network reported the deal is worth up to nine million dollars. Kansas City lost both starting tackles from last season, Orlando Brown to the Bengals and Andrew Wiley to the Washington Commanders. So earlier in free agency, the Chiefs signed Juwan Taylor from Jacksonville to be one of their starters. So they added two tackles to this team. That's pretty impressive here. Kansas City does not mess around with their offensive line when it comes to protecting Patrick Mahomes. They don't mess around at all. He is the franchise. He's going to be arguably one of the top two or three greatest players of all time. And they want to protect him, so they go out there and do that. So Kansas City uh, spending big on the offensive line to try to reload it again. Snow Raider, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Thanks for going ahead. What's happening? Hey, JT. Thanks. Uh, I was at Heavenly on Monday, man. I took some turns for you, buddy. Oh, I love Heavenly. Yeah. You know what I love about Heavenly? I love... I love when you're on the lift and you look back and you see the lake and then you get off there and you start, you start traversing down heavenly and you see the lake in the back, you know, off in the distance and the snow is perfect. And you know, a cold Modelo is waiting for you right there in that village. Is there anything better? 
Oh, amen to that. Yeah, I had some friends in from town visiting. I took them there. We saluted you at the Umbrella Bar there. Thank you. The mountain. Uh, and, uh, yeah, good times, man. Um, yeah, I'm a hockey fan, obviously. Hockey coach, hockey dad, Blackhawks fan originally. But mm-hmm. the GK all year, that four check has been relentless. That's what got him that first goal to tie the game. Yep. The, um, the defenseman tried to bring it across the crease. Boom. You guys are right there. Turnover, chaos in front of the net, score, tie. That was a momentum swing, I think. Otherwise, it would have been pressure all the time from McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, answer your question about who's not going to be on the team uh, from the draft, it's going to be O.J. Howard. I just don't think he has it anymore, especially now we got this mayor kid from Notre mm. Dame, younger, bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, I think he's going to be the replacement for O.J. Howard, but obviously I'm hoping all the players uh, perform the top notch. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, buddy. And, uh, go Raiders. Thanks for calling in from Tahoe. Really appreciate it. I cannot believe I didn't go to Tahoe this year with the snow. And you could still ski in Tahoe in July this year for all the snowpack they got. Dead serious. I mean, there's going to be June skiing in Tahoe. We're in the month of May, and uh, it'd be nice to get up there for a couple of days, but I don't know. I don't know. This might be the first year off I've had from skiing in 30 years. Just can't fit it into the schedule. Next week, I leave here on a Wednesday night for my son's graduation in Oklahoma, so I'll be off next Thursday. And Friday, a week ago, I'll be out. A week from now, I'll be out in Oklahoma for my kid's graduation, so I'm looking forward to that. And then Hopefully a little R&R this summer, but the Raiders got us pretty busy with the Raiders Roundtable, all the shows that we're going to be doing, and a couple of other special features coming up here. 702-365-9200. Uh, next hour, I'm going to lead off next hour playing some of my exclusive interview and bites of Dave Ziegler that I had earlier in the week, and I thought it went over well. I think a lot of Raider fans, when they hear Dave Ziegler, has nothing to do with me, like the way he goes on a deep dive, can explain exactly what he's doing here. He told me it wasn't a perfect draft. If he could do some things over again, mighty. He said, we're going to have to know years from now. But they were very convicted in that war room. And Peter King was in the war room. And if you didn't read that column and didn't hear him here, exclusively on Raider Nation Radio, there's a lot going on. The Raiders got their guy at number seven, but they could have went in different directions after that. I think the key was they traded up into the second round to get the tight end, who should be a franchise tight end for a long time. Got to keep them healthy like everybody else here. And then the rest of the draft, I like some of the defensive players on the back end, hopefully a little bit more explosive, and hopefully they can catch. Hopefully they can catch the ball on defense this year when it hits them in the chest because that's going to be the most important thing. I think Josh McDaniels can be a better play caller if he's got corners and slot corners and safeties intercepting the football and flipping the field so Jimmy Garoppolo has a short field. Derek Carr did not have that opportunity here for a long time. The defense has to be faster, more explosive, and smarter. Right? You keep hearing that term. they got to be smarter. Okay. We got some smart guys in here. Now it's on you, Patrick Graham. Let's make this more explosive, faster, and smarter, and hopefully that'll turn the Raider defense around. Busy hour coming up next. Brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo, and my bucket of Modelo's tomorrow as we're at the Palms for our remote.